Hey everyone, it's Brian Boucher with the Creative BTS Podcast. Today I'm excited to interview Brian Gundell, the Principal Creative Director at the Brian Gundell Graphic Design Company. We go behind the scenes to talk about how Brian became one of the most prominent designers in sports branding, how to design a team's logo and brand, and then dive into a case study on how he managed the process to rebrand the Sunbelt Conference. I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Brian Boucher. Welcome back to the Creative BTS podcast. I am so excited to welcome on Brian Gundell, Principal Creative Director of the Brian Gundell Graphic Design Company. Did I nail it? You nailed it. Perfect. Brian, welcome on. Uh, so happy to have you. And just want to kick off uh, to talk about your background a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. And uh, I, I appreciate the fact that you spell Brian correctly. I know. The, the Brian's with the Y are definitely our arch nemesis. They uh, are. Uh, whenever they crop up. Man, the, people have no idea the ri- the I versus Y rivalry. <laughs> you wouldn't have come on the podcast if it was a Y. Probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we've established this is the Brian podcast, and we're aligned there. Yep. Um, so, I mean, just to give you my background, uh, I'm a graphic designer by trade. I've been doing it for about 15 years now professionally. Um, and 10, the last 10 of those or 11 of those now, I guess, man, how time flies, um, have been in sports. Um, so I've, I've worked for a sports design agency down in Oklahoma called old hat creative. I I was a contract designer at Nike working on the football category on, on field uniform design for the NCAA and NFL worked, uh, for a little while as an in-house designer for the Arizona diamondbacks. Uh, I actually worked nice. Up in your neck of the woods for Chris Peterson at the University of Washington football team nice. for, for a year, and then uh, moved back to Portland where home is, and uh, started my own creative company five years ago. And since that time, I've worked with you know uh, big apparel brands. I've worked at Adidas, Under Armour. I've worked with you know, you know several Major League Baseball franchises: Miami Marlins, Atlanta Braves, San Francisco Giants, San Diego Padres, Oakland A's, um, among others. And then I've uh, you know. NFL teams and, and leagues, MLB, MILB. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis. So why sports? You know, very sports-focused. What got you into this specific industry? You know, I I was a big sports fan growing up as a kid. I just – I love sports. I've always loved sports. Um, and what got me interested in design in general was just uh, logos and uniforms of teams. Mm-hmm. So I used to just yeah, I got my Sonics on for you. <laughs> you know what's funny? What's funny? I, I I lived in Oklahoma City for for two years, so I used to, I went to Thunder games. So I'm a I, I, of the NBA franchises. I'm m- most closely associated to a Thunder fan. Uh, so no disrespect to the folks in Seattle no. on that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I I just I loved team logos and team uniforms, and I would just draw my favorite team's logos over and over and over again. Um, but it was never anything that I really did. Um, like I wasn't super into art. I didn't draw other than team logos. Um, uh, I didn't really take art classes. It's not something I was really interested in. So, but, uh, the sports team logo thing was such an interest of mine. I used to, I got from drawing my favorite team logos to making up teams and designing logos and uniforms for them. Um, and it was my freshman year of college at the University of Oregon where I, I kind of had the light bulb moment where I was like, oh, yeah, people get paid to do this, don't they? I, yep. 
I could get paid to do it, right? So that was kind of where the uh, the interest was. Um, but I, I went much more focused on just traditional graphic design and branding and identity development as a particular focus. Uh, and it wasn't until I got hired at, at Old Hat Creative in 2009 that I really realized I even knew that, you know, sports and design was a thing um, yeah. outside of sports branding, uh, you know, and there were people that I followed uh, who I've actually gotten to know over the years uh, that I looked up to as kind of my heroes in the industry. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, I just kind of lucked my way into sports design and from there fell into the right place, right time to get into Nike. And then from there, you know, everywhere else. Well, it sounds like, you know, in when you're have your own creative agency, when you're doing your work, you get a lot of your jobs from referrals. I'm sure that's very similar for you where they see your work in one area and want you to go on. Has that helped a lot where they see what you've done for one team, one organization, and they want to borrow it or they want to kind of take that skill set? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, my, most of my business is, is referrals. Um, you know, I, I had a great boss at the Diamondbacks. His name is John Willie. He's now the COO of a company called Better up in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And um, John ended up leaving the Diamondbacks to go to the Dolphins and got me some of my first freelance projects uh, with the Dolphins. Uh, that's how I started working with them. And my work with John and, and his boss, Surf Melendez at the Dolphins, led me to getting work with the Marlins, which led me to getting work with the Padres and so yeah. on and so forth. And those projects led to other projects and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Yep. And what's unique about branding for you? So you've done a lot of branding work for these different teams and you're pretty well known for that now, uh, as opposed to like social graphics or, you know, other, other components of marketing creative, what draws you to the branding side? Uh, I mean, if you think about it, like the, a team's logo, their crest, it's it's the thing that is the quickest identifier. It's what goes on all the merchandise. It's what fans rally around. It's what people are most passionate about. Um, so I, I just love having my work be on all of these. Everything. Things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's literally on everything. I mean, you know, like this is a bottle opener. That I, that with I your logo. logo on it yeah i yeah. mean i just uh i i love the fact that that it's everywhere and it's you know what people associate most with the teams you know players come and go uniforms change logos change but you know pe those logos and those uniforms are what people remember most yeah, uh, even more so than players to a, a certain extent so and you always have the throwbacks cool. Oh, yeah, logos yeah. come and go, but they come back. Exactly, exactly. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies this year have been amazing to see the throwback to the Vancouver Grizzlies logo. For sure. I mean, that's once you do that, that's that's part of the team's history. Like no one can ever take that away from you. So um, I will forever be able to say, you know, I designed a Major League Baseball team's identity, uh, and that's the coolest thing ever. And I thought you should have won that Watford competition. Oh, <laughs> thanks, man. So uh, close. Those were incredible, though. Yeah, you know, getting yeah. into the Premier League, it would be it would have been pretty amazing. We were uh, we were really hopeful. We were uh, naively optimistic. Uh, Marcus and I, Marcus Dilly, uh, the designer I partnered with on that project, and he uh, he and I have had uh, some really interesting follow up conversations with with the club itself. So um, who knows? It, maybe once once the pandemic's over and and sports returns to normal maybe we'll get our foot in the door 
but yeah. well, uh, you're, but yeah. you're right with like it it really grounds an entire found ba- an entire fan base. So you like you think about the Premier League generations of fans, and you're the one who establishes what that branding, the logo, the feel is uh, that they carry on. So yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And one of my questions on the branding side is you're designing what I took notes here because on the Sunbelt conference, but you're designing for print, digital, uniforms, in retail experiences, on TV screens. There are so many different components where a logo may work great on digital, but then when it's embroidered, it completely falls apart. Right. So what are some of the you know unique components of having to brand for that entire suite of deliverables as opposed to you know just a, a social graphic that's for a specific medium and channel? I mean, I think you just hit it. Uh, it's the fact that a logo has to work in all of those different situations and, and media. You know, it, it can't work in digital, but not in embroidery. It can't work in embroidery, but not digital. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different applications. And, and it, I mean, you really did just rattle about all of them. Perfect. <laughs> um, so it's it's got to be something that fans want to put on their t-shirt on their hats on their bodies. I mean, fans yeah. get tattoos of team logos. Um, Jeez, you're, yeah. it's got to wrap on your physical it's, body. It's got in to addition work as to a tattoo. It's got to work, uh, you know, it's got to work teeny, teeny, tiny. It's got to work as a social avatar. It's um, there's so many different places that that mark is going to live that you have to think about. Um, versus, you know, yeah, social graphic, it's up for, you know, a, a day and then it's on to the next one and, yeah. you know, or even, even shorter than that, it's like a couple hours and, yeah. you know, then you're on to the next and it's, you know, usually informational, uh, in nature and, and it's really trying to, it's either trying to provide information or provide some sort of engagement of some sort, whereas a logo, yeah, it's, it's gotta be that quick hit impression. It's got and has to do so much more. How does that change your approach to it? You know, cause when you're thinking about a social media graphic, it's only intended for that one thing. So it's pretty, you know, tactical execute. How does that, you know, you, you know, when you're going through these different projects, cause you've done a ton of these now and we'll dive specifically into the Sunbelt conference rebrand, uh, rebrand, which I'm, I'm really excited about, but just in general, when you're approaching a branding project with, you know, a rebrand, a logo, does that change, you know, how you approach it versus maybe something more tactical? What are the differences there? Absolutely. It, it, it changes how you approach things. You know, um, there's also a lot more, uh, that gets invested into a a logo, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you want it to or not, fans are invested in, in, in the identity. So there's gotta be a lot more consideration. There's a lot more research that goes into it. So conceptually, there's a lot more, uh, on the front end that has to happen, behind the scenes, you know, with a social graphic, it's, you know, here's what we want to do with it. You just make it happen and you can kind of make it up as you go. Um, and that's not to say that, that the people who do social media graphics or marketing graphics aren't insanely talented and no, yeah, totally different. good at what they do and they craft it and they think and they concept and they develop it. It's just one of those things where a lot can change more quickly, uh, in, in that environment. Whereas, you know, a logo, like you really have to think about, the end product while you're designing it up front and, and all of those different considerations really kind of fix how you approach like every, you don't design in color to start. At least I don't like yeah. color is like the last thing uh, you do. Cause it's really easy to change color swatches as an illustrator, but you know, getting those forms right and down um, 
are, are really difficult. So the concept is, is a lot more important because you want to be able to have a story to tell to, to have your fans latch on to, and hopefully that they like, yes. <laughs> um, you know, that they want to buy merch, that they want to buy tickets, that they want to go see and, and be participatory in that. Um, and then, you know, once you get that down, then you got to make sure everything is, is just flawless in the execution. So there's a ton of refinement that goes down. It's just a lot more in, intense of a process. Well, hearing you talk about it, it sounds like you're like launching a company. You know, it's not just launching a, you know, when when, it, when I thought about, you know, how we launched Slope, you're building the entire, you know, you're doing research, you're investigating with your target market. How will they use it? Um, where do they want to use it? What value can you provide? How are you differentiated? You're kind of going through almost a business plan, but uh, I don't think people realize how much of that work goes behind what ends up, you know, maybe just being a logo on their hat. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's you got to look at the competition. You know, uh, whether it's a, I mean, it's, and team brands are, are a little bit, you know, easier because there's a, a little bit more of a set criteria for how it's going to get applied. You know, it's going to be on the same. You know, it's going to be on the uniform. You know, it's going to be on merchandise. You know, it's going to be on social. So you can kind of pre-plan a little bit. You know, especially the more you do of it, the, the yeah. kind of more familiar you get. But yeah, you know, you want to look at the competition, see who what your rivals are doing. You might have a team name that's that's the same as like sixteen other teams out there. I mean, I can't yeah. tell you how many teams are the Panthers, the Tigers, and the Wildcats. Yep, so yep. How many <laughs> how many ways can you draw a tiger? Okay, now you got to search through all that. Then you got to look at all the concepts that are out there. You got to look through all the fan art. You got to look through all the non sports versions to make sure that you're doing yep. something unique. Because um, passing USPTO and getting trademark clearance is another consideration that you oh, have yep. with, with brands and identity. So, you, because you want to protect that trademark, you want to own that trademark, you want to be able to to license it and profit off that trademark uh, through merchandise. So, you know that that's another component of it. So, the research element is huge, just in terms of making sure that that what you're creating is unique in the marketplace first and foremost and then all the background all that you know the historical uh references are super important you know again for a sports team when you're doing a rebrand more so than a new franchise Mm -hmm. you got to look at the history of of the franchise and really keep that in the at least for me i i always like to keep the the history of the franchise in mind because those fans are experts in the, in the history of the franchise and they're very, very sensitive to those things changing. Um, so you definitely want to keep that in mind as you're designing. And if you do depart from that in a major way, you want to have a good reason for it. Um, you know, similarly for bringing something back from the past in a new way, you want to have a good reason for that. So that, that research is another huge component of it. And then if you're doing something that's, you know, a little bit more abstract of a concept, you want to have, historical and and uh thematic research to go with it to be able to again have that storytelling component to it to be able to say this is why this looks the way it looks um and why you should embrace and love it and buy the crap out of it (laughs) yeah exactly yeah that's a great overview but let's let's dive into the sunbelt conference let's get a little bit more into the specifics for a, a specific case study um so create a bts podcast we like to go behind the scenes on these specific campaigns or projects um, so give us the quick pitch of why Sunbelt wanted to go through this rebrand and kind of bringing you into that process before we kind of go into the nitty gritty. 
Yeah, so they they got a new commissioner not too long ago, a um, guy by the name of Keith Gill. Um, and as Gill was kind of looking at the uh, the conference as a whole and kind of their their place in the the football bowl subdivision landscape. Well, first know, of all, what is the Sun Belt Conference? Maybe we should start there for <laughs> for people not as familiar with. Yeah, it. so Sun Belt Conference is a is a collegiate athletic conference. Uh, they play in the football bowl subdivision, which is you know now the top tier division of of collegiate athletics. It's not really fair to call them a second tier of, you know, the FBS, but that's for all intents and purposes. That's what it is. Uh, you know, smaller schools with with less prominence in terms of funding and, and athletic success over the years. That's not to say that there haven't been big time success stories in those conferences. Boise State being one of them. Um, TCU formerly before they jumped to. Uh, the Big Twelve, so you know they, they've got some some giant colors. App, Appalachian State is uh, known overperforms, yeah, yeah, all the absolutely. Time. So they're they're kind of a uh, a big feather in the in the Sun Belt's cap, but um, so that's kind of what what the conference is. So getting back to your your question, why yeah. it came about, they brought in the commissioner, new, new commissioner, commissioner, and as he was kind of assessing the the visual landscape of the conference and kind of how it fit within the rest of the the college FBS landscape, he was kind of noticing that um, particularly in on-field and on on uniform applications, the branding wasn't particularly strong as far as he was concerned. Um, he saw that, uh, especially on a uniform, when you're looking at the teams playing on TV, it was really hard to, to make out the, the Sunbelt logo. And then if you removed the text to increase the size of, you know, the, the former icon, just kind of a I call it the pinwheel. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they call it the disc. Uh, but that pinwheel mark wasn't really anything super identifiable, uh, wasn't super recognizable. Mm-hmm. So he felt that having a strong mark that kind of aligned with the rest of the the FBS landscape made more sense to basically raise the the profile of the conference, um, particularly when they were on TV. Great. And how did you get pulled into it? How do you win this job? This is like a, it's like a dream job for most creative <laughs> agencies. I fought for a ton of these. Um, they, they came to me. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, uh, their, their, uh, associate athletic director, uh, and, um, or assistant commissioner, I think is his title for, for content creative reached out to me and he was asking me about developing a custom typeface for the conference. And that led to a larger discussion about how well, you know, our commissioner is really kind of not super thrilled with how our our logo is because of, you know, the visibility issues, uh, particularly on TV. And and so is that something that you could develop for us? And I, I of course, said yes. And mm-hmm. so I put a proposal together. Um, I gave them a, uh, several different options in terms of packages, you know, maintaining, keeping that that disc and, and as well as, you know, completely overhauling it and then some add-ons on top of that. And yep. They said yes. They went for it. They went so for it. To help us, you know, because I'm not familiar with how colleges structure these things, is it the Sunbelt has their own creative team internally, marketing creative team? How much are they consulting with the rest of the teams for a rebrand? How does that relationship work uh, between the conference and the actual colleges or the universities? 
Yeah, um, they have uh, my main contact is is really their only creative person on staff, um, but he does handle um, a lot of the sports information duties as well as some of the creative stuff from the conference itself. They do have their own marketing people and PR people. Um, but to the second part of your question, uh, most of the back and forth uh, that happened uh, was between me and the conference. And then the conference kind of presented it to the athletic directors and CEOs of all 12 member institutions and said, you know, give Got us it. your feedback. Um, we'd, we'd like your blessing um, yeah. on, on the, the creative because we want you guys to be excited and be on board and understand why we're doing what we're doing. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's our call. <laughs> yeah. Is so, that how, that's really how it works. It's, it's up to the, you know, Sunbelt gets to make the final call. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's par for the course. The conference is, is a, an independent entity that, that oversees and governs the other, you know, the member institutions. So it's, I mean, they have the control is particularly over their own brand, just as a, a member institution has the ability to control their own identity independent of the conference. Yeah. So, you know, it, but you know, there was some inquiry and make sure that, you know, yeah, we're not going to light torches and pull yeah. pitchforks. You out. want a good relationship still between exactly. all the different. Exactly. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And when they're looking at this, like, you know, new commissioner comes in, wanting a rebrand, wanting to make it more recognizable, uh, more modern. What are some other of the top goals of a rebrand like this? You know, what are some of the, the outcomes that you're that they're looking for when you're done with the project? Uh, legibility is a big one. Um, recognition and um you know, ease of use, flexibility in terms of application. Uh, so they had they had just two logos in their previous brand package. They had a primary and a secondary mark, um, and they neither one of them were particularly uh, great in terms of application, as far as they were concerned, to be able to use them in a wide variety of applications. So that was, you know, another big consideration for us was to develop a flexible identity system for them with, you know, a range of marks that they could use depending on the situation and and what they were trying to do. So that was, that was a big factor for us. And what's the Sunbelt's brand? You know, what are they known for? What do they try to push forward? You said they're kind of in the group of five. So yeah, it's almost, I mean, it's like they're just trying to make a name for themselves more, just like I, the I better think so. brand. They're yeah. they're trying to just raise their prominence and, and be taken a little bit more seriously. You know, they they had a nickname for a long time as as the fun belt. Um, and they've they've changed institutions uh, over the past few years, particularly when there was a huge uh, level of, of conference realignment. So I mean t- teams were swapping conferences left and right. Yeah. Um, so it kind of blew up the college landscape, the conference landscape and kind of put it back together. So they were the, they, they became known as the fun belt because they, they had a lot of high scoring games. wasn't, wasn't real great quality. So they're kind of trying to change that perception of, of how the conference, uh, appears and, and they want to be taken more seriously as, as an athletic conference and, and have their members, you know, not be looked at as, as a joke. Not that they yeah. were looked at as a joke before, but, but just wanna, pride, prestige. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They want to, they want to be, you know, the top tier group of five conference and really be looked at in, in the same light as the FBS conference or the, uh, the power five conferences are. And I'm sure that helps with recruiting, uh, you know, revenue, you know, that brand kind of powers a lot of those motions that these conferences go for, from what I can imagine. It definitely helps. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a consideration for some recruits when it comes to, you know, what conference the team is playing in, who the, the opponents are going to be, what, 
you know, from a recruiting standpoint, what their chances are to make it to the next level are going to be. So again, raising the prominence of the conference as a whole, uh, you know, hopefully will will make them more visible on the recruiting scene and, and make it more, a more desirable, uh, you know, location destination for for top level athletes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So walk us through your process. How do you approach something like this? Um, if you just want to give us like the high level and then we can dig into different components, but sure. how do you take on a project like this? This one was a little bit different for me uh, than, than a typical team brand uh, in that, you know, there was a much more like logistical, you know, not as high level of a concept uh, in terms of, you know, what I was trying to put into this. When you're dealing with the team brand, a lot of times I, I do a ton of research, ton of, ton of historical background. I really dive deep into, you know, the nicknames and, and the, the history of the franchise or the history of the, the town, if it's a new team, you know, and the location, because those are cues I really want to put into the DNA of the brand as, as ways for fans to go, okay, I recognize my city. I recognize my franchise and its roots. Yeah. And this is something I can really connect to. That's not a thing with a conference brand. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> so this was really much more a, let's look at the college, you know, football landscape. Let's look at what the common themes are for all of these different you know, particularly the Power Five conferences, what they're all doing in common, what's working with some, what's not working, and what can we take from those lessons and apply them to this. Um, so that was the first part of the process is really just research. Um, and, and this was a, a simpler, shorter research phase for me than typical, just because it's really easy, especially when, you know, being in college football fan and college sports fan. I'm so familiar with these brands already. Um, and do you work on the research with the the creative contact at Sunbelt or is this kind of isolation on your own? It's kind of more on my own. Um, okay. I, I will do my own research and I'll kind of present it to them. And then, they, you know, if they have anything to add to it, they'll, they'll provide it. Um, but, you know, and it was really pretty straightforward with this one. It's, yeah. you know, we looked at it, all those different college logos and it's like, they're all really type driven. They're all, they're all pretty, you know, rectangular in proportion so that they can fit, you know, right on a collar, uh, on a Jersey. And, and, you know, they all feature abbreviations to, to have that shorter, um, larger brand presence to be able to be seen easily and clearly, uh, on TV and at a, at a distance. And, uh, when you're going through the, the, you know, this one specifically, but maybe others, do you bring in research firms? Do you bring in other contacts? You know, how much do you bring in other people? Just you? Just me. Just yep. me. Um, uh, you know, that's very efficient. That's a, that's a team's dream. Bring the cost <laughs> down. Don't have to bring in a big consulting firm to do it. You know, three month research project. Uh, yeah. I mean, the research is as much for me as it is for anything else. Cause you know, yeah. I, I'm the one that's going to be executing the ideas. So for me to be able to kind of go in and find these little nuggets of information to be, it's, it's one thing that gets me excited. You know, if I find these little pieces, I mean, I, I, I did a, a rebrand for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds a few years ago and uh, I took a trip out to Pittsburgh and I, I walked around the city and I found all these really cool things. I went to the Heinz history museum mm -hmm. and I saw this uh uh like bus trolley tram thing and i was like oh this is really cool and on the on the front of the bus i had this great pittsburgh word mark uh and it had some really cool quirks and characteristics of it that i hadn't seen 
that I incorporated into the actual typography for the logo. So those those kinds of things are are fun for me to be able to find. Well, I think Um, people don't realize, you know, a lot of graphic designers, um, at least from the marketing side, it's like, okay, just execute on this deliverable. Marketing's the strategy. You're just the execution person. Where there is, you know, that's such a strong attribute or skill set to take on when you're a graphic designer or any creative professional to have the strategy, the research, and be able to do that all yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, it's uh, something that is a strong point for me, and um, so far, it's it's worked out well. Um, yeah, especially with your background in sports, where you can kind of bring that level of knowledge. Yeah, um, and knowing those characteristics. For okay, sure. so you do the research phase, yep. um, get through that, and then do you present the research to? the Sunbelt or do you just use that in the designs that you or different pitches that you present to them? Uh, typically I'll present the research as its own kind of uh, deck to, to the clients. But in this case, it wasn't really necessary. Um, yeah. It was kind of just, you know, over a phone call, just kind of discuss my findings yeah. um, and say, Hey, this is kind of what I saw. This is what, you know, makes sense. So this is kind of where I'm going to focus my, my concepting. And they, they said, yep, makes Great. sense. Go for it. <laughs> Good client. Uh, yeah, yeah. So from there was sketches and concept development. Um, and again, because it was it was really a type project, it was a mm-hmm. typography uh, uh, ex- uh, uh, exercise first and foremost. We developed the typeface first. Um, that was the kind of the the first phase, which again is a little atypical for me in terms of you know doing something along these lines. Um, so we did a custom typeface. That was kind of a, a big component of this. They wanted, uh, you know, more and more brands are looking to custom typography as another way to extend ownership over their brand and their visual identity, um, which I think is is super cool and it's something that I really enjoy doing. Um, but where the Sunbelt was concerned, what I didn't want to have happen was I didn't want to, you know, develop. Uh, a set of icons and then have the, well, we like this icon and this lockup treatment, but we like these three typefaces. So can we see, you know, I didn't want to do the endless mixing and matching thing. Yes. So yes. For me, I, I, and I discussed this with them ahead of time. It's like, Hey, let's, let's nail down the type. Let's get the type figured out. And it's one less thing we have to kind of go back and forth on, um, when when we get into the actual design development and that turned out to be a smart idea because we went through a lot of different type options uh yeah. just just in type options and and once we kind of settled on kind of the main look then it was like what if we round off this corner but not that corner and what if we did yeah. you know serifs <laughs> and what if we what if we did wedge serifs what if we rounded the wedge serifs yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of like we got the main look down and then it was those fine details that we kind of went through some I'm really glad that we did it that way. So is that a best practice you've seen? Because uh, I've seen the mix and match problem where you're just endless combinations. You never get to a final decision. Would you recommend starting with one component and building off of that? Or is that atypical? Um, that's atypical, I think. Uh, I, I actually kind of, one of the things I do is is I, I tell my clients, yeah, let's mix and match. Because it just, I mean, every everything is so different. Every Every project is so different. If the type is not a, a really important component, um, you know, it's not critical to the brand, then yeah, trying different type options as you get down the road is is fine. If it's a super critical component, yeah, you might want to nail it down first like we did with Sunbelt. It just depends on on what you're doing. So sometimes the mix and match thing can, can yield some interesting results. Got it. 
Okay. That makes sense. So you're, you're presenting these concepts. Take me through your tech stack a little bit. So you're your own agency. Do you have kind of the, the software tools that you know and love and typically work with clients? Do you have to use what the clients use? What's your uh, process look like on that side? You're holding up. This is audio. This is audio description, holding up a notebook. The good old notebook, pencil and paper. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. I, um, I have used clients, uh, you know, project management software tools uh, when they ask me to. Um, but for the most part, it's email and me taking notes. Uh, it's, I, it's a little bit easier when it's just, it's just you, you know, not having to coordinate a yeah. large scale team or anything. Right. For sure. Uh, and, and when I, when I do work with, with teams on, on more of the marketing kind of stuff, you know, that there is more of that plug into their system kind of a thing, you know, their, their project management. So I, I have done that with teams. I, I didn't in this particular case cause it just, it wasn't necessary. Um, do you yeah. send the sketches though first without a phone call? Do you have the phone call and then go through the sketches live? What have you seen works well when you kind of present these first things to a client? Um, I have had it happen both ways. It just depends on clients preferred way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I prefer to, to send the sketches and then go through them live over the phone or via Skype or, you know, ideally in person, but you know, that's rare, uh, particularly now. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, I like to kind of explain kind of what they're looking at and kind of what I was thinking. Um, I think it really colors the way that people view the work and, and kind of what they they interpret. Also, for me, I'm not the strongest drawer. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of my, my sketches are really more just placement layout kind of things. And so it's like I have a lot of arrows with scribbles next to them. So I kind of call them like, hey, could you actually read my handwriting on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's – that's uh uh, my preferred way of doing it, but you know, that's not always something I, I can do. A lot of times I deal with intermediaries where it's like, I have to explain to them my thoughts and then they'll tell their boss or the decision maker. Uh, and so there's a little bit of a telephone thing that happens, uh, from time to time. But again, when it comes to sketches, the, the, um, the stakes are a little lower at that point because it's just, you know, the first set of initial ideas, a lot of times clients go, okay, cool. Um, these are great. Let, can't wait to see the, the computer records. The, the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> um, so you get the sketches over to them and then you have to actually move on to the, uh, what's the next stage typically? Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I like to send sketches. I like to talk about sketches because they're a really good way to have those quick initial conversations on, on direction. Um, again, with, with Sunbelt, it was a, a little different because again, being so type driven, there wasn't a huge need for sketches because the type was such an important and prominent component of the, of the design. So, um, but in a typical process sketches, we'll talk about the sketches, hopefully from what I can do, I can do a lot more sketches quickly. Um, and we can kind of hone in on a few directions, um, and eliminate some ideas early on to kind of just focus the project. From there, it's going into the computer and doing vector renderings in, in Adobe Illustrator. Um, so from there, you know, it's kind of d- redrawing the sketches in the computer and then doing little iterations, you know, kind of just like with the typography. Like yep. this, you know, if you have, 
I don't pick a mascot. You've got a dog. One one version of the dog is smiling. One version of the dog is snarling. One version of the dog doesn't have their mouth open at all. You know, the yeah. different versions of the eye. I mean, uh, if you look at um, Sky Dillon's rebrand uh, for UC Santa Cruz that is out publicly right now, you can see kind of the iterative process and what he does with all the different just ex- facial expressions of the slug. The, the, sea, pose, the sea slug, right? Yeah. 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 The banana slug. The banana um, slug, yeah. My mom was an anteater, UCI. There, there you go. Yeah. Uh, my, my uncle went to Irvine, actually. Nice. Um, but anyway, those, are, so, those are fun mascots to play with. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Gotta love the UC system. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for, with that, it's it's the same body pose of the slug, but just different facial expressions. So mm-hmm. that, those are what I call iterations. Uh, so you do a lot of, of different iterations on things. Uh, with the Sunbelt in particular, uh, when I did the concept design for what eventually became the final logo, it was playing with the number of rays in the sun. And there, we, we did length, thickness of those rays, um, you know, uh, how they, you know, interacted with the, the, the notch in the center of the B to, to make that be more legible than others. You know, we played with things like we want 12 rays for the 12 members. Well, that's really busy and that's not going to embroider. So do we do six to do like, there are six members. And if you flip the sun, then there's 12 and it's like an implied <laughs> 12. Do we even care? No. Yeah. So yeah. there's I'm playing with all those different options uh, on the computer. So once, once those all get done, we'll kind of pick I'll deliver another deck of, of all those different vector options. And from there, kind of another elimination process. Like we're not interested in these, 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 and kind of whittle it down to, you know, anywhere from three to six designs. And those three to six designs, then what we'll do is kind of expand um, to see the, the rest of how those will translate uh, on the brand. So doing word marks to complement those additional lockups, how they'll look in each member institution's colors. Uh, and then we did mock-up applications. What's it going to look like on a football jersey, on a basketball jersey, on on a field, on a court? How's it going to look in stationary, on the website, in social? How's it going to yeah. look as a media backdrop? So, you know, for all of those three to six concepts. So that's kind of the next piece of the puzzle. And that's where a lot of, of things kind of really kind of come to light in, in terms of usage and, uh, from a client perspective, that's really where they can see how this works as a living, breathing yeah. brand. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it sounds like you're doing thousands of different individual deliverables across this, you know, across this process. <laughs> Not quite that much. Uh, but if you have six, lo- if you have six different looks and you have to put them on all those different places and then you have to go through iteration after it's just, it's the, the scale of this isn't, you know, it surprises me a little bit. It, it gets to be a little bit of behemoth. That's why I try and narrow it down to like the, you know, you know, I say three to six, but really I try to, to limit it to three or four. Yeah. Um, uh, and a lot of times there's, there's great mock-up tools that are out there that make the process really easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to, to be able to just change out vector smart objects and just slap it out. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. But then there are other ones you got to make from scratch that are not so easy to swap in and out. Not, you know, I, I try to do as much as I can to, to make those look as realistic as possible. So, um, you know, I, I did one that basketball court, there's one I did, a it was a 3d, uh, mock-up from sports templates.net. Mm-hmm. 
and that was great and it worked really well. But they were like, yeah, we're not sure that, that they're really going to get it from the 3D mock-up. So I, I took a photo from UT Arlington and I literally went through every image in that photo and had to clone out every existing wow. Sunbelt yeah. logo and put it back in to the point of like reflections in the floor, yeah, <laughs> uh, and up in the scoreboard. Uh, there was a live shot on the scoreboard in the arena. So everything I had done on the floor, I had to do again up on the scoreboard, but yep. pixelate it because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. That one uh, was definitely time. That's rough. <laughs> but worth it in the end, because it really sold it to the, uh, I mean, there was a, a conference flag up in the rafters, like things that I'm like scanning every section of this yes. arena to see where a Sunbelt logo might exist. And, and, you know, 10 out of the, the 11 people who view this thing aren't going to notice. Yeah. So, so how many deliverables do you end up with providing to the client? Uh, like final deliverables or final deliverables. Yeah. It's not, you're not just, here's your logo. Thanks. God, I have to, now I'm going into my job folder to count. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so our, our contract was not just for the rebrand. There was some additional collateral that was part of the contract that kind of skews that, but, uh, individual logo files. Um, I have two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight folders. Um, there's three logo slicks. Each uh, logo folder has a CMYK folder, a Pantone uh, swatch folder, and an RGB folder. Then, then the folders in there have AI, EPS, PDF formats, uh, and then JPEG and, and PNG yep, formats yep. for the RGB folders. And uh, let's see. This is the alternate word mark. It appears on one, two, three, four, five back. So there's six files in each of those subfolders. So six times this 24 times the 72 per folder times eight. Jeez. Yeah. So you're, you're that's, spanning a lot of different. That's yeah. Yeah. So about a thousand deliverables is not, not too far off. There's 576 just in logo individual logo files alone yeah. uh, as part of the final deliverable. Yeah, because you're right. You just have to put it in so many different places, and you have to cover all those bases. Yeah, we have we have uh, the the conference color backgrounds. Uh, so you know it's on white, on blue, on yellow. Then we have one color versions of all those: one color positive, one color reversed, in white, black, yellow, and blue. And then you know for the yellow, it's two versions: there's a positive and a reversed version of that. So you know for each version of the logo and there are uh let's see it's five different logos in the in the logo family so what's the timeline for this you know from project kickoff to final delivery how long does something like this take uh it has been seven months for this particular project wow uh, and counting uh so uh we kicked it off mid-october uh, it's when I flew out to New Orleans for the initial meeting with the conference after the contract got signed. Um, longer if you count the proposal process. Yep. Um, so that initial proposal was back in August. So yep. add another two, so nine months. These are massive projects. They, they are massive projects. There's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of stakeholders involved. Um, and, you know, it's it's – this has been a a simpler process because there's been fewer decision makers. Um, 
And like I said, it's still ongoing. We, we have, you know, the championship marks to that we're still working on. We're, we're still working on collateral. We're still working on, you know, application stuff for them. So this will probably go on another, you know, two, three months at least. So it'll, it'll be at the end of the day, about a full year. Yeah. What's the reception been like? Uh, well, the design community loves it um, mm-hmm. and the fans hate it. Really? Why is that? <laughs> uh, it's different. Yeah, I, there's always going to be the adjustment period. Yeah, uh, fans, sports fans are the most obstinate, change averse demographic in in the brand identity world. They just do not handle change well. Do you see um, that from most of your projects? No, uh, this again is a fairly atypical. But you're also talking about sports in the South, where people are particularly passionate and fervent about you know keeping things the way that they are and not changing them. Yeah, and there's um, so many different groups and members that you have to take into account as well. There are so there's a lot of there's just and and also right now people just have nothing better to do. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a form um, of entertainment. It, it is, and logo bashing, it, particularly on Twitter, is. Uh, you know, oh, it's an art amazing. Form. <laughs> the ram, the ram logo unveiling was great. Great punching yeah. bag. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Get all the time. So yeah, some about fans, um, at least the ones on Twitter that are vocal and most of them are affiliated with a particular member institution that shall remain anonymous. Um, they, they, they were just tearing it to shreds and they, they <laughs> but when you tie it back to the goals that are original, you know, making it more prestigious, making it easier to read, you accomplish those goals. Absolutely. It looks, I think it looks amazing. The conference loves it. The conference is super happy. The members of the conference are happy. Uh, and that's really all that matters. The fans will get on board. They'll come around. Um, you know, there was an interesting comment. Uh, we we got a photo from, from Georgia State's uh, equipment department with the logo sewn onto one of their football jerseys. Uh, and we posted that as uh, after the fact as part of the release. And some Georgia State fans were like, okay, I wasn't, wasn't really feeling it before. But now that I see it on the actual jersey in our team yeah. colors, I like it a lot more. It's like, yep. well, yeah. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what it's for. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I think fans will eventually come around. And, and I was looking at uh, some message boards. It was much more even an even mix of, of positive and, and lukewarm responses. Not even negative, just kind of yeah. meh responses. So, yeah. But you got to uh, see people playing it. Once you see that, then that's when it goes, okay, great. Like yeah. this, is, this, is, this fits. A lot of people were also like, just from sheer lack of understanding, were like, "How could you make all these these schools change the logo and spend all this money on new uniforms and new playing surfaces yeah. in the middle of a pandemic?" It's like we started this last year; we had no yeah. idea this was going to happen. And um, I did an interview with with Keith Gill uh, with SportsLogos.net with Chris Creamer, and and um, he addressed that and was like, "We're actually not." forcing our members to roll this out as quickly as we normally would because we we're being sensitive to the financial impact that the pandemic is having on everybody so we're trying to be understanding and lenient and easygoing when it comes to the actual rollout of all this so but that's because people don't understand those timelines how many would say this is a year-long process you know right right um well good to hear you know i saw thought it was incredible work was really excited to cover it um, you know, as we, as we close this down, any parting shots, best learning, you know, I usually close these out with like, what's a big takeaway that you'd love the audience to hear about a rebranding process or about the specific project? Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand, particularly about sports branding is that, um, there are so many conversations and considerations that go on behind the scene. Um, 
it was one of the reasons that Brandon Moore and I, another designer that I'm, I'm good friends with, we did a, uh, the Baseball New Zealand rebrand out in the public because we wanted people to understand that there are considerations that they may not have any idea about. A uh, great example from that is um, the sporting icon for the nation of New Zealand is Silver Fern. And that's really owned by the All Blacks rugby team. Yep. So the expectation, and we got a lot of people commenting before we even touched the sketch pad, you know, oh, you need to do a baseball with the silver fern leaves as the baseball laces. That's, that's it. It designed itself. Yep. And the CEO of Baseball New Zealand said, absolutely, under no circumstance are you to do anything related to a silver fern. And mm-hmm. we were like, okay, can we ask why? And he said, it's owned by Baseball New Zealand, and it's co-opted by every other sporting organization, most prominently New Zealand Softball, who's our chief rival for, for players and, and, and competition. Uh, so we want to look outside of that to stand out in the crowd and do something unique. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense when you put it that way. And we were more than happy to oblige that. But had we not posted that conversation as part of the project, we would have been torched by people in New Zealand, by design community. Like, how could you not do this? It was, it's really easy yeah. when you know why. There's logical so, reasons. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, um, so there's, there's a reason behind everything. The designers who work on this stuff are, they care as much as you do. They're fans as much as you are. It's important to them. They want to do good work. And there's nothing that they do intentionally just to piss you off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not out to get you and ruin your team. We promise. Yeah, that's great. Well, on that note, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, for me, you know, not going through that many rebrands, really insightful to kind of learn uh, how this process is done. Um, So yeah, thank you so much uh, and have a good one. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.